0: Chapter 34 The House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lefanu. Chapter 34 In which Lilius hears a stave of an old song. And there is leave taking beside the river. Devereux's move was very sudden, and the news did not reach the Elms till his groom had gone on to Island Bridge with the horses, and he himself, booted and spurred, knocked at the door. The doctor was not at home, he had ridden into Dublin. Of course, it was chiefly to see him he had gone there. And Miss Walsingham? She was also out no not in the garden john thought maybe at old miss chatsworth's school or sally said maybe at belmont they did not know devereux looked into the large room at the right hand of the hall with the fair sad portrait of Lillias's young mother smiling from the wall like her too and the tall glasses of flowers and the harpsichord open with the music she would play JUST AS USUAL THAT EVENING, HE SUPPOSED, AND HE STOOD AT THE DOOR, LOOKING ROUND THE ROOM, BOOTED AND SPURRED, AS I HAVE SAID, WITH HIS COCKED HAT HELD TO HIS BREAST, IN A reverie. IT WAS NOT EASY FOR OLD SALLY TO GUESS WHAT WAS PASSING IN HIS MIND, FOR WHENEVER HE WAS SAD, HE SMILED, BUT WITH THE SOMEWHAT OF BITTER IN HIS SMILE. AND WHEN HE SUFFERED, HE USED TO JOKE, Just at that moment, Lilius Walsingham was walking along the high street of the village to the King's House, and stopping to say a good-natured little word to old Jenny Cresswell, was overtaken by mild Mrs. Sturk, who was walking with her little menagerie into the park. "'And, oh, dear Miss Walsingham, did you hear the news?' she said. "'Captain Devereaux has gone to England.' and I believe we shan't see him here again.' Lilius felt that she grew pale, but she patted one of the children on the head and smiled, and asked him some foolish little question. "'But why don't you listen, dear Miss Lilius?' "'You don't hear, I think,' said Mrs. Stirk. "'I do hear, indeed. When did he go?' she asked coldly enough. "'About half an hour ago,' Mrs. Sturk thought.' and so with a word or two more and a kissing of hands the good lady turned with her brood up the park lane and lily walked on to pay her visit to mrs colonel stafford feeling all the way a strange pang of anger and disappointment to think of his going away without taking leave of my father and when she reached the hall door of the king's house for a moment she forgot what she had come for, and was relieved to find that good Mrs. Stafford was in town. There was then, I don't know whether there is not now, a little path leading by the river-bank from Chapel it to Island Bridge, just an angler's footpath, devious and broken, but withal very sweet and pretty. Leaving the King's house, she took this way home, and as she walked down to the river-bank. The mortified girl looked down upon the grass close by her feet and whispered to the daisies as she went along, No, there's no more kindness nor friendliness left in the world. The people are all cold creatures now and hypocrites, and I'm glad he's gone. She paused at the stile, which went over the hedge just beside an old fluted pier, with a grass-grown urn atop, and overgrown with a climbing rose-tree, just such a study as a young lady might put in her album. And then she recollected the long letter from old Mrs. Wardle, that Aunt Becky had sent her to read, with a request, which from that quarter was a command, that she should return it by six o'clock, for Aunt Becky, even in matters indifferent, liked to name hours and nail people sharp and hard to futile appointments and barren punctualities. She paused at the stile. She liked the old pier. Its partner, next the river, was in fragments, and the ruin and the survivor had both been clothed by good Mrs. Stafford, who drew a little and cultivated the picturesque, with the roses, I have mentioned, besides woodbine and ivy. She had old Mrs. Wardle's letter in her hand, full, of course, of shocking anecdotes about lunatics and the sufferings of fleet prisoners, and all the statistics and inquiries and dry little commissions, with which that worthy lady's correspondence abounded. It was open in her hand, and rustled sharp and stiffly in the air but it was not inviting just then from that point it was always a pretty look down or up the river and her eyes followed with the flow of the waters towards she loved the river and in her thoughts she wondered why she loved it so cold so unimpressible, that went shining and rejoicing away into the sea and just at that moment she heard a sweet tenor with a gaiety somewhat pathetic sing not far away the words she remembered and she smiled upon the stream like one that smiles at folly a dreamer on a dream devereux was coming it was his playful salutation her large eyes dropped to the ground with the matchless blush of youth she was strangely glad but vexed at having changed colour. But when he came up with her, in the deep shadow, thrown by the old pier, with its thick festooneries, he could not tell. He only knew she looked beautiful. "'My dreams take wing, but my follies will not leave me.' "'And you have been ill, Miss Lilius?' "'Oh, nothing, only a little cold.' "'And I am going. "'I only knew last night,' really going away. He paused. But the young lady did not feel called upon to say anything, and only allowed him to go on. In fact, she was piqued, and did not choose to show the least concern about his movements. And I've a great mind now that I'm departing this little world. And he glanced, it seemed to her regretfully towards the village. To put you down, Miss Lily, if you will allow it, in my hill for a legacy she laughed a pleasant little careless laugh how ill-natured but oh wasn't it musical then i suppose if you were not to see me for some time or maybe forever, the village folks won't break their hearts after dick devereux and the gypsy captain smiled and his eyes drew a soft violet shadow down upon her and there was that in his tone which for a moment touched her with a strange reproach like a bar of sweet music but little lily was spirited and if he so early a friend could go away without bidding good-bye why he should not suppose she cared break our hearts not at all perhaps but of course i the parson's daughter i should and old Moore, the barber, and Pat Moran, the hackney-coachman, and Mrs. Irons, your fat landlady. You've been so very good to all of us, you know. Well, he interrupted, I've left my white surtout to Moran, a hat, let me see, and a pair of buckles to Moore, and my glass and china to dear Mrs. Irons. Hat, buckles, surtout, glass china gone then it seems to me your earthly possessions are pretty nearly disposed of and your worldly cares at an end yes very nearly but not quite he laughed i have one treasure left my poor monkey he's a wonderful fellow he has travelled half over the world and is a perfect fine gentleman and my true comrade until now do you think dr walsingham of his charity would give the poor fellow free quarters at the elms she was going to make answer with a jest satirically but her mood changed quickly it was she thought saucy of captain devereux to fancy that she should care to have his pet and she answered a little gravely i can't say indeed had you cared to see him you might have asked him but indeed captain Devereux, i believe you are jesting faith madam i believe i am or it does not much matter dreaming perhaps there's our bugle and the sweet sounds quivered and soared through the pleasant air how far away it sounds already ours are sweet bugles the sweetest bugles to my ear in the whole world yes dreaming i said I had but one treasure left," he continued, with a fierce sort of tenderness that was peculiar to him, and I did not mean to tell you what I will. Look at that, Miss Lily, 'tis Tis the little rose you left on your harpsichord this morning. I stole it. Tis mine. And Richard Devereux would die, rather than lose it to another. So then, after all, he had been at the elms, "'and she had wronged him.' "'Yes, dreaming,' he continued, "'in his old manner, "'and tis time I were awake, "'awake and on the march.' "'You are then really going?' "'she said, "'so that no one would have guessed "'how strangely she felt at that moment.' "'Yes, really going,' he said, "'quite in his own way, "'over the hills and far away. "'And so I know,' "'you'll first wish your old friend Godspeed.' "'I do, indeed. "'And then you'll shake hands, Miss Lily, as in old times.' "'And out came the frank little hand, "'and he looked on it, with a darkling smile, "'as it lay in its own sinewy but slender grasp, "'and she said with a smile, "Goodbye." "'She was frightened, lest he should possibly say more,' Then she knew how to answer. And somehow it seems to me I have a great deal to say. And I've a great deal to read, you see. And she just stirred old Miss Wardle's letter that lay open in her hand, with a smile just the least in the world of comic distress. A great deal, he said. And farewell again, said Lilius. Farewell, dear Miss Lily. AND THEN HE JUST LOOKED HIS OLD STRANGE LOOK UPON HER, AND HE WENT, AND SHE DROPPED HER EYES UPON THE LETTER. HE HAD GOT INTO THE FAR MEADOW WHERE THE PATH MAKES A LITTLE TURN ROUND THE CLUMP OF POPLARS AND HIDES ITSELF. JUST THERE HE LOOKED OVER HIS SHOULDER, A LAST LOOK IT MIGHT BE, THE HANDSOME STRANGE CREATURE THAT HAD MADE SO MANY OF HER HOURS PASS SO PLEASANTLY he that was so saucy with everyone else, and so gentle with her, of whom she believed she might make anything, a hero or a demigod. She knew a look would call him back, back maybe to her feet, but she could not give that little sign. There she stood, affecting to read that letter, one word of which she did not see. She does not care, but— "'but there's no one like her.' "'No, she does not care,' he thought. "'And she let him think it. "'But her heart swelled to her throat, "'and she felt as if she could have screamed. "'Come back, my only love, my darling. "'Without you I must die.' "'But she did not raise her head. "'She only read on steadily "'old Miss Wardle's letter over over and over, the same half-dozen lines, and when, after five minutes more, she lifted up her eyes, the hoary poplars were ruffling their thick leaves in the breeze, and he gone, and the plaintive music came mellowed from the village, and the village and the world seemed all of a sudden empty for her. End of chapter 34